right, you ready to, ready to roll? Skill development? Yes, sir. Well, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode seven of the Hockey Toolkit. I am Trevor DiCarlo. I'm Andrew Trimble. And uh, we are here to talk to you about skill development this week. Or it's going to be a good weeks, one. I guess you could say. Yeah, it's, it'll be fun, for sure. It's going to be a good one. Before we do that, uh, let's jump into uh, a little bit of Andrew's world. What's uh, what's going on over there with Coach Trimble? Kids are back from uh, holiday break. We're, we had one game this past weekend with our P team. Uh, they beat the Boston Junior Rangers 5-4. to four. It was a great, great game. We're coming back from break. We got a showcase coming up here um, in Exeter, New Hampshire with our both our junior teams. So that'll be a good showcase uh, as the colleges get back into their kind of swing of things, so especially the Division two and Division three colleges, so um, it's a good chance for them to be seen by some some of our players. And then our my backyard rink is rocking and rolling. Oh, is it? Yeah, we had a little bit of a hiccup with um, some warmer weather after Christmas. We had a bunch of ice over the holiday break, and then last week was really kind of messy. But this week, oh, it's good. It's really good. I'm faster yeah. already. I'm I'm flying out there. <laughs> I'm flying. Yeah. It's been like I, I in the forties and fifties here in Chicago, so I we I would not have been able to have a backyard rink. The one thing I'm nervous about there is I'm coaching Barrett a little bit, and uh, you know I got to make sure I turn off the live barn feed because I'm, I'm not wearing a helmet, and I don't want to get suspended <laughs> for thirty days from USA Hockey. So. USA Hockey is hunting you down as we speak right now. That's right. That's, right, well, that's cool. It's, it's like the neighbors good, are uh... taking pictures. Sending it in. How about you, Trevor? What do you got going on? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, just kind of seasons. Still got about a month and a half left to go, roughly. But uh, kind of just winding down with some, you know, odds and ends here. We got another tournament coming up actually this weekend. I'll be out of town in Grand Rapids, and then uh, we come back, and it's just basically every weekend we uh, finish off with league playoffs. Uh, I don't think we're gonna make the playoffs. I think we're technically eliminated. So now it's just more or less. Just continuing to, you know, try and develop the players and, uh, you know, just make it as fun as possible for everybody. Chance to play so, spoiler, though, right? Play spoiler? Oh, for sure. There's a couple teams that we're going to – that I'm hoping that we can uh, catch them by surprise and knock them down a couple pegs. And uh, you know, that's all we can really do. Uh, you know, for for us, just try and keep uh, – try and get a positive uh, attitude going. Um, oh, so so would you come back – you know, we were talking last episode – about keeping it fresh, what'd you uh, decide upon when you when they came back? What'd you come up so with? So we we actually took two weeks off of hockey. Um, but that being said, we did have another skate where we just let them completely scrimmage. Um, unfortunately, just with numbers, with uh, how the holiday shook out, uh, I also have kids with finals, so we really didn't have like I think the very first full team practice we've had was yesterday. Uh, was last night actually? So. It's been a while, um, and we had played two games this past weekend, uh, Heartbreakers. Uh, both we were up on those, but uh, ended up losing them. That being said, um, you know, so it was more or less we just, everybody was, you know, out of town, um, or they were, you were in town one week, out of town the next week. You know, again, like I said, finals, um, we've got injuries, i got a player out for the rest of the season. So we've been, uh, you know, again, we, we tried to keep it light, Last week, uh, somewhat up tempo and fun, and then uh, yesterday they got some working. Uh, that's for sure. After this past weekend, but it was uh, it was more of a uh, just a lot of battles, a lot of uh, 
I could have went very old school, but I didn't. Um, and I'm learning that uh, pretty quickly. And I, I actually think I got a better result out of what we did. Like, yeah, we did nothing crazy, but it was just more or less uh, battle battle drills, kind of compete drills, races. Um, you know, I guess you could call it. As one kid came up and said, is this a hidden bag? And I was like, what, what are you talking about? Like, we had to play dumb the entire time. Like, what do you mean hidden bag? What are you talking about? Oh, yeah, I used to have a coach who said he'd hide the bag skate inside the practice. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I was like, which coach was this? So I know who to tell, hey, keep your mouth shut. But no, it was it was nothing like, I mean, it, they worked hard. That's for sure. So just kind of reinstilling that, uh, hey, you know what? Accountability. We're still playing. You're still signed up. So, yeah, that's where uh, it's kind of where we, we were at. So I did use a little bit of the fun of, uh, you know, let's play some, you know, a little bit more small area games. The tough part was just, again, with us uh, being basically, even though it's travel, it's still wreck, uh, just people out of town. So we weren't really able to, you know, I get emails three or four hours before practice, like, oh, I'm not going to, we're not going to be there. Or I'm at a family's party and we're not going to leave. And it's like, all right, well, scrap this plan and go to, you know, option B or option yeah. C. And as long as you don't have to hit option Z, then you're pretty good. So <laughs> yeah, you got it. You know, that's always, that's always tough when you have to kind of change on the fly like that. But, uh, you know, if their heart's in the right place, the kids can see it. and Keep battling, buddy. You'll get there. Oh, that's what we're trying to do. It's been, uh, like I said, it's it's been an interesting season. Uh, at the end of the day, we just want what's best for the kids. And, you know, again, there's been a lot of ups and downs. Probably feels like for everybody a little bit more down. Um, you know, and even for myself as a coach, it's been it's been a huge learning experience. And I've even had to work on being more positive, which I think is great, actually, uh, because in our interview that listeners will hear later with Todd Spencer, I, he says something in there that everybody will hear that I was just like, yeah, I could definitely, you know, what his dad's saying, basically, uh, uh, I could definitely use that a little bit more. So, but I, I won't spoil that for anybody else. But uh, so, yeah, uh, you guys are basically, so you got the showcases and then what else? Then playoffs, right? Yeah, we got about twenty regular season games left at each each level, and then then playoffs start like the second week in March. Oh, you got plenty of time then. Yeah, we got plenty of time. We're we're kind of jockeying for position. Both teams are having strong years, so it's. Uh, but you know that's all the difference. And every every in the EHL, our playoffs are three game series, so you know, we want to get home ice and kind of get get that advantage. Um, but we still doing our skill sessions. You know, on our our, our program divides it up. Uh, we usually have a goalie skills on Monday. On Tuesday morning, there's like a total skills where we have like uh, power skating and puck skills. We have today we had defenseman skills for our D's, which is a great, um, you know, I think is is really really an underrated when you do position specific skills. Uh, forwards are Thursdays, and then we do kind of a modified power play penalty kill scenario on Fridays to kind of gear up. And you know, um, you know, when we talk about skills, you know, getting into it deeper, I think a lot of people focus on just just the fundamentals of power skating or puck skills or shooting. But there's also a lot of nuance in, in those position specific skills that kids can get a lot out of. Um, so, uh, you know, let's, let's jump right into it, Trevor. What, uh, talking about well, real skill quick, development. Me, oh, yeah, go ahead. Real quick. Cause I, I do have a question and I'm sure there might be some out there who are, uh, you know, not familiar or who are still learning about the junior atmosphere or how your data day by day goes so when you do those skill sessions like by positions like you said you goalies mondays uh you forwards like defensemen or today is that 
is that as well as practice? So like yes. the defensemen go on. Okay, so they started doing like two two touches that day. Got it. Okay. Yes, you know some every program is different, um, but our program is like since you know Tim Coons and I purchased the program in 2018. We we made it that kind of the the, the foundation of the program is having two ice sessions a day, and one of those sessions is always devoted to skills, whether it be power skating, puck skills, or whatever it may be. And then you follow it up with your team practice. Um, and the, and the benefits are tremendous, tremendous. Like you can see oh, a kid, absolutely. kid come up early in the season. And if they just do those team practices, they still may not be able to pivot to their left or their right. But what, then you incorporate just them, their ability to slow things down and get that little bit more of a smaller group setting. Um, now you're really developing an athlete and that's what it's all about. Right. All right. So back to your segue, go right ahead. So skill development, that's the topic of the conversation. We've seen it over the last 20 years, and I know our interview subject will allude to it a little bit. It really wasn't a thing you had 20, 25 years ago. It was more about camps, and you might have one or two people that were kind of regionally famous, whether it be Paul Vincent or Laura Stam or uh, a lot of those people. But then um, every rink now has a skill instructor, and every um, every camp has you know different people that they bring in for a specific skill. And I think there's good and there's bad with it. I love that they do it because that's how I put food on the table for my family. But uh, um, we're going to get we're going to get into some different topics today on that skill development, and I'm excited to have this discussion with you, Trevor. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I mean, where do you want to jump in, basically, with uh, you know the good, the bad, the ugly, the where we're at with it, or for sure, I think you know there's a lot of stuff you see on social media now. I think that's kind of taken over. Um, you know, when I first started, I used to have to advertise in local ranks or purchase ads in different on websites or different papers to get my name out there. But now, you know, you can have all your followers on your Twitter or your Instagram or your Facebook and and you can build an audience. Uh, and some of that's been, I think, really positive, obviously. But then also, yep. too, um, people, you know, they feed the beast and everybody kind of copies one another as a coach. And I think some other stuff has gotten kind of lost in it. Uh, so oftentimes you'll see an elaborate setup um, that is nothing game, nothing related to the game of hockey. It's just kind of like a, a little, you know, it's kind of like a, almost American Ninja on ice. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that's an important idea is having hockey skills related to what you would actually use in a game. Uh, that's the most important component with certainly my skill sessions and some of the other people that I've seen do it really, really well. What are your thoughts, Trevor? Yeah, no, I mean, it's. Uh, again, I agree, I, you know, with the ones I call them the Insta coaches because all they do is they've got stuff on Instagram and I get it. As you said, you know, you got to sell yourself, you've got to market yourself, but there's things where I'm watching, you know, the coaches do and, and again, I'm sure there's reasons behind some of it, but sometimes it just looks silly. As you said, Ninja Warrior, you know, you're doing jumps over this, jumps over that. And again, I get, you know, some of the edge manipulation, this and that, but some of it just feels like you're doing it just for the sake of doing it for video. Um, and again, it's like, how is this transferred to games? Um, and I think that's one thing that I've seen <clears throat> um, Daryl Belfry do. He does a lot of game transfer stuff, you know, in his sessions. Now, granted, he's working with professional athletes, like the, the cream of the crop. Um, but yeah, you, you, you go on Instagram, you go on Snapchat, you go on anybody's, you know, whatever website these guys are selling and I think there is a lot of good. I've taken some stuff that I've seen. And I'm like, okay, I can manipulate this or I can do that. And then there's somewhere I'm just like, 
like who paid for this? <laughs> you know, more yeah. or less since why, why? And then I've even reached out to a few um, where I see something completely silly and I'm just like, I reached out to them. And I said, Hey, what is the benefit of, you know, what are you trying to get out of this drill? Cause again, maybe I could be the asshole. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, do I really think it's dumb or is there really, an, you know, an objective behind it? And sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. Um, sometimes the answers I get, I'm just like, okay, it, oh, that seems so far off. But yeah, so the whole Instagram, you know, flashy, this and that, I get it. You got to market yourself. You got to sell it, especially as you said, you know, you're doing it uh, to put food on your table, you know, before I was doing it to, you know, put candy bars on my table. Um, <laughs> but uh for some of it, though, I see it, and I there's guys that I've just even had to unfollow because I just couldn't take it anymore. And I was just like, this, I don't see the benefit. And yeah, so I mean, it just it was depressing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always think that when every every skill session that I do, and that I, you know, when I've communicated with other people, it's about putting the why in front of the how, <clears throat> in front of the how. And you know, a lot of people do the other way around how to do it and then why to do it. But like right. with hockey, it's the game first. So why am I doing this drill? And then we can explore how to do it and then how to do it better. And that's how right. you can really make an improvement. It's the why in front of the how. Now I'm going to put you on the spot, Trevor. Shoot. What are two, two people that you've seen do really well? You can use names or you can use kind of companies, but two companies that you've seen do a great job of skill development. And then why? And then why? Skill development. So, I mean, again, you can use Belfry because obviously he's the cream of the crop. You can use uh, Adam Nichols. You can use him as well because, again, but I think they're both, you know, similar. Uh, I think actually one works for the other. Um, You know, let's try to think here. Um, I can't think of really one off the top of my head that just was like lights out. I mean, I know you've got Power Edge Pro groups that do stuff. Um, you know, I know that um, you know one that I enjoyed working with, but it was a, it was a summer camp as a kid. Was Kenny McCudden, who now works for uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. He used to work for the Chicago Blue, uh, not Blues, Chicago uh, Wolves for the longest time. Uh, so I can't really say that there's one uh, or two specific, you know, companies uh, off the top of my head. I can't say really anyone specific. I think there's just some good ones out there that, again, like I said, I can't think of anyone, but uh, how about yourself? So when I was a kid, I did a lot of Laura Stan when I was a kid. Uh, that's big yep. out here on the East Coast. She was based out of Connecticut at the time, and she would run a lot of clinics in northern New Jersey. Um, and I did a lot of her stuff. And uh, she had a really good program that was kind of tailored to kids in terms of like you could get – uh, merit badges for your jacket and all that kind of stuff as yeah. you advance through certain levels. And, uh, you know, you'd have a two hour practice or a two hour session and there'd be no pucks out there. And it was really focused on just the skating. And there's so much to skating that um, gets overlooked if you're kind of rushing through drills or if you're doing just a basic, you know, hour long skill session where she could spend an hour just on a crossover or a or, or an under push and, 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 or utilizing, like we talk about later with Todd, your outside edge. So I would say Laura Stan was kind of certainly my first exposure to skill instruction and uh, her, her company always st- stands out for sure. And then there's a friend yeah. of mine here on the East coast who, uh, when I first started coaching, um, he did a tremendous, he, he kind of was my a mentor for me and a great friend. 
uh, Oktai Armigan is his name, and he runs a program called the New Jersey Raiders in central New Jersey, but he does uh, skills for the Youngstown Phantoms in the USHL oh, okay. and for a, num- a number of teams in the North American League, uh, American- Maryland Black Bears in the NA. And he does a lot of stuff on battle techniques, a lot of reverse checking and a lot of edge work that's incorporated with escaping checks uh, and winning puck battles. And, you know, with, with those higher level athletes, everybody has a certain baseline of ability. They all can skate. They all can shoot. They all can um, handle the puck. But what really can separate them is keeping the puck. Or if it's a one-on-one battle, winning the one-on-one puck battle. So he does a great job with that kind of stuff and uh, really, you know, has kind of carved a niche for himself in those uh, in that in that genre. All right. So I'm going to backtrack one step because I do have one. Um, and I don't know why I didn't even say it from the get-go. Maybe I was thinking more of the higher-ranking ones. But uh, locally, and again, I've said his name numerous times, uh, but fellow of the name of uh, Randy Jordan um, used to uh, – again, he was my one of my mentors, still is. Uh, he does skills work still out here on the North Shore. Um, I remember watching him put some guys through, uh, especially on the Wolves. So I would get out of work or I'd come into the rink and it'd be like 2 o'clock, 2.30, and he'd be working with a guy, um, you know, a defenseman on the Wolves. Doing just skill work, got a lot of edge work, and he's a fanatic about skating, um, all the skills, but primarily skating. He's a fanatic, and he was making this guy do stuff that after, I mean, the guy couldn't, could barely do. And it wasn't like we're talking about, like, again, those, you know, Instagram, like, you know, do a cartwheel and then jump around. Like, it was like really manipulating the edges. Um, and the guy afterwards told him, he goes, I've never had anyone work with me and teach me like this type of type of stuff. And I've been very fortunate over the years to work with him. Um, you know, running his some sometimes running sessions for him, working with him in sessions. But uh he's definitely one locally who I whenever anybody asks me, Hey, do you know anybody that, you know, power skating or anybody who whatever shooting, he's the first person I put out there. Uh, just because again, he's such a fanatic and he's got such a great way of getting the most out of the kids, which I think is half. I mean, that's, that's like the biggest part of the battle is just getting them to buy in and start doing it. And again, he's not always for everybody. Um, and what I mean, that is that sometimes he'll be honest, like, Hey, this isn't, he'll tell the parents that, you know what, this might not be the best fit. You know, this might, might not be what you're paying. What you're paying is great, but is your kid, I don't know if your kid's really getting the most out of this because typically it's the kid. Uh, let me rephrase it. It is the kid. Because um, I've seen, like I said, I've seen him work with hundreds of kids and he's done a fantastic job. So that's one that I would say locally um, is one for me. But I guess my question for you would be, as we talk about skill development, um, you know, and again, you can use, there's, when we talk about skill development, it's such a broad kind of definition slash term. Because, you know, scanning the ice is a skill. Communication is a skill. Um, But if we're going to go to the nuts and bolts of skills such as, you know, your skating, your shooting, your passing, your checking, uh, stick handling, and the nuts and bolts inside of that, what do you think is probably one of the most underutilized, or not even utilized, but utilized is probably the right word for the player, but one of the most undertaught skills in player development through you know just all ages i i would say shooting uh i would say shooting 
I think any that, type of shooting. Uh yeah, you know, I think a lot of you know with the technology of technology has advanced in the last 20 years where you can, you know, really manipulate the new sticks. I mean, they're more like they're more like golf clubs in a lot of ways than they are like a wooden stick. And people are right. still shooting a lot about you know, dragging it through your body and weight transfer and follow through. And those, there is an element to that, but also, you know, there's a kick point on a stick that, you know, if you can impact the puck and drive it off, off the stick and create, utilize that kick point. I mean, that's, it's, it's a totally different way to shoot. And, you know, a lot of times coaches, they focus on that old technique where it's kind of like you set up like you would with a when you're hitting a baseball where it's across your body, but you look right. at guys in the NHL or in college, I mean, they can shoot off either foot. They can shoot yep. while their feet are moving. They can utilize the stick plate to create a harder shot and more accurate shot. So I think shooting is certainly one that gets overlooked. Um, and they're not, it's because a lot of coaches are used to the way they learned it rather than, you know, updating their standards. And uh, I think one of the telltale signs of a good coach, when it comes to like a shooting instructor is if you go on their Instagram and they're talking about themselves or showing a video of themselves rather than voice <laughs> or no, voicing over a clip of a kid because a kid needs to do it. A kid needs to, to do it themselves and then they need to have that – they need to be able to see themselves and what the current mistakes that they're making. But if a guy's just up there shooting like, oh, shoot it like me and they're, he's ripping it, it's like they're not going to learn that because like it's that top hand. It's how, to, how, how they're getting their hips involved in it. It's If they're shooting with their head up. It's a lot right. of different things that the kid the needs to know. Yep. Yeah. So I think shooting is definitely one skill that gets overlooked because it's a kind of an outdated way to teach it. And everybody kind of teaches it the old way. So I don't disagree about shooting. I mean, I think all skills are basically undertaught anyways, regardless. But I think one of the most undertaught skills, and actually Todd brings it up at one point, is the outside edge. I think as coaches i think a lot of coaches don't realistically realize how much of the outside edge is used in just all of skating um especially now when you've got your guys like mcdavid uh mckinnon um all these guys that are flying up the ice i mean even back in the day like when pavel Bure, you know would skate i mean the rumor on him or the story on him was that he would start a stride on his outside edge because he was so far under his body but I can't tell you how many players, and this is not this year, but previously in years past working with certain kids, how many could not do a tight turn with their inside foot down. And that that's where you're putting most of, I mean, you're coming through on that tight turn and you're stepping over and you're driving underneath. I mean, the, the telltale sign usually was you'd see their inside foot be like skipping on the ice. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, it's like real jittery. And the fact that it's like, I feel like it's one of those areas of skating that's just so important, especially with the crossovers, cross-unders, being explosive, that it's still not being worked on enough. Um, and again, it's something you can add in at the very beginning of your practices where you're doing skating drills where, you know, I've, I've had it where I've had kids, you know, Sometimes you'll be like, all right, we're going to just skate the lines at the younger ages. Um, in the older ages, okay, you're going to skate to the blue line or, you know, center, you're going to skate to center ice and I want you to stop facing the stands, but I want you to be on your outside edge on one foot. 
And the kids look, like half of them, they got horror in their face. Like, what? No, I can't do that. Okay, and then you're going to go back to the blue line, do the same thing on your other foot. And it's amazing how few have been able to keep that going. Um, Or you could do the same thing with, okay, I want you to do the same thing, but instead of stopping, you're going to turn on that inside foot. And again, now all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm burnt out big time before I even hit the line, let alone get through it. So to me, I think that's one of the, at least in skating, I think that's one of the most undertaught, but so important piece of that skating component that is not, again, it's not taught enough or to a degree that is sufficient enough for today's, a lot of today's players. I, I agree 100%. I, I, I think that uh, when you look at an, the anatomy of a foot, if your big toe was on the outside, kids would have a better understanding of how to use their outside edge, you know? <laughs> right, But right. Your, big, your big toe's on the inside, so they're comfortable on that inside edge. Uh, and I think a lot of times, too, is um, – and and it's kind of a, a problem with, 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 with um, skill instructors a lot of times and power skating instructors is if, if they move through too fast through drills. Like a kid can – manipulate themselves through cones without ever going on that outside edge. They can you know, drive yeah. off their inside edges and just kind of manipulate themselves through a series of cones to turn enough, their body. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. they also, they also like a lot of times they teach Mohawks too early. Like, you know, mm-hmm. everybody wants to look like Sidney Crosby protecting the puck. So they'll Mohawk their way, but you're not really, you're not, you're, you're getting separation. You're holding onto the puck more, but you're not getting that explosive out of the turn that you can right. when you're utilizing that outside edge. So um, I agree with you. I, the outside edge is something that like is, is under underspoken about and, and kids need to have a better understanding of it for sure. And I know that was very, again, that's a very small portion of the skating stride itself. But for me, it's always been one of my sticking points of one, especially the last two years I've moved into two different clubs. And this year I've got good skaters. Don't be wrong. But just seeing, you know, the, what levels they're at because again this year they've come from different clubs so it's it's interesting to see how who has taught what at what levels and you know how long they've been along and or they've come around and um you know and there's still kids that you know even like when i coached it when i was running the program out of uh in uh, hoffman estates who just even at bantams who i've been you know we'd work with for the last six years who just still didn't trust their outside edge so to me, that was one area that I was always like, all right, we just need to keep hammering it. Now when you've got guys, like I said, got guys like um, McDavid, I almost said McGregor, like what is he going to do on the ice? <laughs> uh, he'll try and fight you. I don't know if he'll stand up. But like McDavid, McKinnon, all those guys, it's um, just watching them explode with their lateral, um, you know, their movement uh, like that, the explosiveness, that's just insane. So, yeah, that's my uh, – uh, I, I, but I don't disagree about shooting either. There's just so much more to shooting than, you know, and I think the big thing, in my opinion, with shooting is that the weight shift and, you know, where to put the weight from your bottom hand and how to use your top hand. I, I, I know, again, Todd talks about that as well, but, you know, the hand placement, that's huge yeah. and how you're shifting your weight. So I think that's another great one. Um, And that one's just, that fits all of them. You know, and, and one thing I'll talk about later, and I don't want to go too fast on it, but the um, thing that, you know, always, um, you know, you can see really, you know, really, really great skaters have good posture. Uh, you know, the kids that come to mind in our program, 
Uh, we had two brothers, uh, Dominic's and Patrick's Marcinkevics, two kids from Latvia. Patrick actually was the Division One uh, Rookie of the Month this past month in December. He had 11 assists for Long Island University, which led the nation. Congrats. And, Congrats uh, to him if he's listening. His, skate, skating, <laughs> his skating posture um, allows him, even if he's not in a full stride or a turn or a crossover, he still is able to keep his speed because he's on the balls of his feet. He's low and, you know, that gliding speed, you know, you see so many kids, it's so much of a struggle for them to get up and down the ice because their head goes from really high to really low because their posture, (laughs) I mean, in the course of a shift, they waste so much energy bouncing up and down, whereas it might take you a little more conditioning to really uh, drill down and make sure you have that low center of gravity and a good, good posture throughout your entire shift, but you waste so much energy and waste so much speed when your posture changes through the course of a shift. And just, you know, in, in referencing those two players, like you watch them on a shift or any division one college hockey player um, where the skating is really, really strong. Like they have great posture throughout the entire course of their shift. Absolutely. And I, I mean, they play, they play short shifts, which I think a lot is a detriment to a lot of players these days is that as coaches, sometimes we leave kids that way out there way too long or, Whatever, but no, I agree. I, I think one of the big thing with posture is, and again, this is stealing it from Randy, but I've also seen it from my own eyes is just the lack of knee bend. Yeah, and the kids that you know, I would hate to be a tall kid right now. Well, first of all, I would have loved to have been a tall kid, but I would hate to be a tall kid right now with poor knee bend because you're going to stick out like a sore thumb because your you, the length of your body is just going. I mean, the legs you're going to see the full. You know, where if you're a short kid, you got a little bit of knee bend, it looks like you're really bending your knees. But if you're a tall kid, you're not even bending your knees, like you got a slight knee bend, like you're going to, you can be called out like crazy. So my big thing is I've always seen, again, what is, knee bend is your foundation. It's the power of your stride. Um, Again, like I said, your balance, Um, all that, you know, put into it. And it also helps, you know, again, lengthen that stride. And I've seen a lot of kids, as you even you just said it, with bouncing up and down, you know, they're shortening their stride when they do that. And that's just, that's hurting them, again, wasted energy, but also just hurting them from a long, you know, long term of slowing them down. Yeah. I think, I think like all the stuff we're talking about, you know, doesn't take an elaborate setup, doesn't take, uh, you know, anything um, spectacular in terms of like the uh, on a video, but it just takes drill, instruction, correction, uh, maybe some self-assessment and feedback, and then just working with the, the athlete on a consistent basis so they, they can understand what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. And those are actually kind of boring when it comes to Instagram oh, yeah. and Twitter, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, those are just, uh, they're more critical. And I think, you know, that, that brings us to our, our next segment to uh, a guy who I think is a little bit old school, but he's in terms of you know, old school in his, his approach, but really is a great, great coach, uh, Todd Spencer. All right. So welcome to the podcast, Todd Spencer. Todd Spencer uh, runs a great operation here in New Hampshire. He runs uh, Premier Hockey Skills, which is on the seacoast of New Hampshire in northern Massachusetts. And he also runs the New England Wildcats, which is a great girls hockey program with 12 teams here in New Hampshire. And we thought he'd be a great guy to bring on the podcast 
because getting his thoughts on skill development in hockey. Welcome to the podcast, Todd Spencer. Thanks. Thanks a lot for having me, boys. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think this is a great you know, topic of a discussion on today's podcast about skill development. Uh, I've seen so many, um, you know, skills over the last 15 years of my career that kind of has, has evolved into its own kind of separate business from actually hockey coaching. And you see a lot of people on Instagram. And But, you know, one thing I've always admired about Todd is he brings kind of an old school mentality. It's about structure and discipline. And kids get a lot of information and it's direct information that they can implement in their game. So, Todd, what has made you, you know, what is your overall philosophy on skill development with hockey players? Well, basically, we like to take the attitude that the kids are there to get better. The parents have their kids there to get better. So the only way to make that happen is to make sure that you are working with every kid as they go through the drills. There's nothing worse for me than watching a player go through the drill wrong again and again, because all you're actually doing is getting better at doing the wrong thing. <laughs> so we really, really focus on making sure the kids are developing good hockey habits and correcting them if they're doing something wrong. And I found, to speak to your points about the information, if you can pull a kid aside and tell them what they're doing wrong, the way they should do it, and explain the difference, it tends to get them to buy in. And when, they're, when they buy in and they try hard and they want to do it right, the results speak for themselves. I think that's a great point. I think one of the things that gets overlooked sometimes is um, everybody's so focused on the clock and they'll, they'll rush through drills or they'll, everything has to be at top speed all the time. But as you just mentioned, slowing it down, pulling a kid aside reinforces the positive habit rather than, than sticks to the negative. Um, what are some of the, the, you know, the, the things that you make are the most important parts of your program with the Wildcats? What do you really focus on with your athletes? So with the Wildcats, you know, I, I started with the idea that we wanted to have a place for competitive girls to play without making them drive to Massachusetts or play on boys teams. So we really wanted to focus on giving them the opportunity to compete at a high level, train hard, and get all the benefits of the traditional, you know, triple A elite, whatever you want to call it, boys program. And so what we try to create is a, a, a positive environment, a place that the girls want to come back and work on their skills, come back and play for and also a place where we, we do push them to really work hard and develop. It's fun, but we have fun while working hard. As far as the skill side, I tell my girls all the time, you know, there are things you can do on the ice and away from the ice to really separate yourself from the pack. So we do a lot of, lot of work on stick handling and shooting, obviously in addition to the foundational skating, but we really focus on the stick handling and shooting because I found that if you have a girl that can really shoot that puck. People are like, wow, you know, look at her, but she stands up. So between our skills, our skill practices each week and our time at my gym in Manchester with a synthetic ice sheet, you know, they get a lot of time with the puck and confidence with the puck really makes a difference in the games. So they handle the puck well, they shoot the puck well, they pass the puck well, and that's really what we're looking for. That's awesome. Um, you know, that's, that brings us to another great point. Uh, you see so many new products available. You see so many new gadgets and tricks that uh, a lot of skills coaches will utilize. I think on the ice, having done some things with you, uh, you're pretty minimalistic with the uh, the setups that you use. But one of the tools that you do use is is um is the synthetic ice treadmill, which I think is a great tool. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, happy to. <clears throat> so we have a skating treadmill. Um, it's set into a synthetic ice pad. So what we have essentially is a place where the kids can come skate and work on any number of things. If we're talking about skating, skating treadmill, obviously want to get better. The real advantage for the skating treadmill is that I have unlimited ice. So if you think to the skills that you do and I do on the ice, let's say we're working on a kid's stride. They start off, they usually cheat. So they take a couple of strides. Now we're at the hash marks. We're working on getting them low, getting them long. Maybe they get it down by the red line. So how much, how much practice are they actually, actually getting by the time they reach the end of this? It's very little. With the skating treadmill, <clears throat> once they get used to that machine, I can actually sit down and put my hands on the kids' skates and move them into, into the correct position, help them feel where they should be, and then we can practice over and over and over. It's basically just a great tool skating-wise to work on stride length, speed, leg strength, knee bends, skating posture, everything you'd ever want. And we can be right in their ear and even manipulate them into the correct position if need be. It's a great tool, but like anything else, I'm sure you've seen, it's only as good as the instructors. So you really need to make sure that you have a good instructor that's going to pay attention. And like we alluded to earlier, not let kids reinforce bad habits. We want to help them get better, not get worse. That's great. You know, I'm, I'm in a funny scenario where like, uh, you know, my, my seven-year-old, he already doesn't even listen to me. So, um, you know, we'll talk, <laughs> we'll talk forever about posture, which is, which is critical to, to having an efficient skating stride. And we'll talk about posture all day and having a good knee bend. We, I brought over some Czech coaches to coach with our junior teams in November. And that was the first thing they worked on with, uh, with Baron on, on, on the ice when they had a private lesson with him. It's just working on his, his, his proper posture um, with his skating stride. Uh, what are some of the, the, the key components you think that when you get a kid in a private lesson, and every kid is different, I, I know that, but what are the things that you really think you can make the biggest impact with a kid when you have them for that private time? So most of the time, as I'm sure you've experienced as well with private lessons, the benefit is that we get to work on whatever the kid needs. So whether it's skating, stick handling, shooting, um, there's a lot of benefit to those. The biggest thing, the biggest benefit to private lessons that I've found is we can really break down how they shoot. Shooting is such a complex motion. There are so many things that can go wrong. I'm talking from just the way they're holding their stick, which I see they hold their stick wrong all the time, to hands on the body, to upright, to bent over the waist, the way they move their arms. There are so many things that can go wrong or go right in a shot. And being able to spend time with a kid, whether it's you know a seven-year-old I had last week or Cooper Flinton, who's a Dartmouth, either way, spending that time together and just breaking down each part of the shot, we can see dramatic improvement in a short amount of time, as well as give them some homework to take home that they can work on while they're not at the rink or at the uh, synthetic. That's awesome. That's a great point. Trevor, what do you got for Todd? Yeah, so uh, Todd, I mean, obviously, out of all of us, it looks like uh, I am somewhat of a serial online stalker. So I did look you up a little bit before uh, I jumped on here. But uh, so you play pro hockey. What uh, actually, first of all, I want to let you know right now on eBay, one of your cards from when you played in Dayton is two dollars right now. 
I might bid on that. Oh, big money. You know what? It's probably more well, than what I, mine is. I can is. save you a couple of bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have a couple I have a couple at home. I can I can save you a couple of bucks. That's well, hey, it's more than anything I got online. Uh, but no, I what I one thing I want to talk uh, or ask about is again, you played it, you know, four years Sacred Heart, and then you played four years of pro, or I apologize, three years of pro. Or what changes, if any, have you noticed over the years in training and uh, development? Well, I would say it is a completely different game than it was 20 years ago. I'm 40 years old, and I was in college in 2003 to 2007. And I've been involved in coaching since I was very young, and so I paid attention. And the way the training techniques have changed over the last 30 years, it's incredible. All the kids at the high levels are incredibly fit. They're tremendous athletes. They're not just focused on hockey, they're focused on speed, strength, things that'll help them in, in different sports. And I think being well-rounded is very important, especially at that young age, because you don't want to overtrain and get injuries. But these kids are strong, they're fast. And then speaking about the skill development, like we're talking about, the stick skills are on a different level than anything we had when I was playing. Uh, I look at 12-year-olds now that have better hands than the Division One players that I was playing with. Um, it's it's really it's really incredible, and you know that's why I, I hear sometimes people talk about you know teams from different eras. You can't really compare eras because the training techniques, the equipment, everything is so different than it was even 15 years ago. It's just it's a different level. It's a different game. And if we're talking about kids, especially think about the majority of the kids you coach, the majority of the kids you've seen through the years. When they start playing hockey, what are they using? Dad's cut down stick from when he was, you know, 18 or 20. <laughs> they make 20 flex sticks now. And and you see it. It's like us shooting with a two by four. Yeah. It's right. totally, it ruins the technique. Now you've got 20 flex sticks that allow kids who are seven and eight to get some flex out of the stick and shoot it upstairs with velocity. You know, it's the technology of the equipment, the technology of the training, um, the way the kids train physically, it's it's really revolutionized the game, and it is so much faster and more skilled than anything that I played or most people my age have played. It's it's really fun to watch, and it's fun to be a part of. Awesome. That's awesome, Todd. Well, Todd, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. For people who are listening, make sure you check out the Wildcats Hockey. It's a great girls program here in New Hampshire, as well as Premier Hockey, which runs camps all throughout the year and up here in New England. And uh, you're getting one of the best coaches around and Todd Spencer. So thank you so much for coming on. Thanks again for uh, to Todd for coming out. Uh, not coming out, he didn't really have to leave anywhere, but for uh, coming out on the show, uh, I thought very informative. And like I said, I really enjoyed his, uh, you know, the approach that he described, and especially his dad's uh, his words of, you know, praise him, be loud when you're praising him, but you know, when you're disciplining him, give him, you know, be be quiet. Absolutely. What was the one thing that you thought was the uh, other than that, the, uh, the the discipline point? What was the one thing that you took uh, most out of? Todd's uh, Todd's segment. Again, it was. I've always enjoyed listening and hearing about, you know, the differences going throughout. You know, the time we played. And as Todd said, he's four years old now. He's played professional hockey. He's gone from you know back in early two thousands playing NCAA. So before that, he was you know juniors. Um, you know, coaching at the same levels you're basically at. Um. So for me, it was just learning the differences and what's changed through, through that time. And again, I mean, I guess, yeah, it's like 30 years, you could say. Uh, but if it's really like 20 years, how much has changed? And I think a lot of it has to do 
with just technology. Um, because again, you can go on YouTube and you can find almost anything you want. I also think it's a lot of it has to do within the technology, just the, the circles that we have, you know, with all these different networking, um, you know, just shit like you and I here. I mean, hey, we walked across, you know, the street from each other just without Twitter or anything like that. Wouldn't know who the hell we are. Uh, <laughs> or, well, we would know who we are ourselves. Well, we, maybe you don't know who you are. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, maybe that's a philosophical that's, question. Yeah, that's a little day. too existential for me yet. Sorry, that's a therapist usually charges like one hundred and twenty dollars for that. But, um, but what I mean by that is like you can learn so much for so many people. Where before, like you used to have to like li- you literally had. I remember coaches had binders of Xeroxed drills, like oh the yep. Calgary drill, and it was this from this year or whatever. And you're just like, oh okay, and like you know you had your drill books that you could purchase, but now I mean you've got, um, you know like. IceHockeySystems.com, uh, fantastic resource. They're free. You could draw your own drills. Uh, I did not get paid for that prom- uh, that drop there, but it's all right. Uh, I, w- I love them anyways. But um, so again, I really enjoy just hearing, you know, what was done, what wasn't done, and just how it's changed over the years. And as he said, the skill of the game has just gotten so much better that he's got what Pee Wee's did he say that we're probably as good as stick handlers as have the guys on his NCAA team. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, he might've been a little bit far fetched there, but I, I, it wouldn't surprise me. No, I agree. And I think that, um, you know, like when USA hockey, uh, you know, moved forward with the ADM and they you know, rolled that out like 12, 13, 14 years ago, whatever it was, there was a lot of pushback, but a lot of those concepts were being u- utilized by the best coaches anyway. If, you know, station-based practices, skill development, small area games in order to increase puck touches and increase your hockey sense. Um, and I think that's been a great, you know, great growth for the game. I, I do think that, uh, you know, the skill skill instructors um, have been a great asset. I mean, you look at every golf course in the country for the last hundred years, they've always had a golf pro there because, you know, when you walk on a golf course, you don't necessarily know how to play the game, but you walk in the hockey rink, there should be a hockey pro there who can teach you how to play the game too. So uh, I think we've had to you know, upgrade our game and it's been a better for everybody involved. I am for hire in case anybody's listening uh, for a <laughs> hockey pro, but uh, no, I, I, I certainly agree. I mean, we're even not even just as players, but you got goalie coaches now, you got goalie directors where before it was, you know, I, I couldn't even tell. I mean, I knew we had goalie clinic when I played, but I mean, you didn't have what you've got now. It was one or two guys that basically own the entire state of Illinois and, you know, battling back and forth for it. So um, I think it's definitely gotten better. But, uh, you know, what do you think about, uh, I guess I'll, I'll throw it out there anyways. Do you think any there's any areas with skill instructors or skill coaches that are just, you know, there's, ah, they're bad. Do I, do I think there's any skill instructors that are bad? No, I'm, we're not going to call any be- people out by names, but do you think there's any um, any type of, you know, I, I guess my big thing is that I see a lot of what I feel is fly-by-night guys. Um, they bounce around quite a bit. Uh, they're always running certain camps here and here and there. They got small turnouts, but their kids aren't moving. There's not a lot of teaching. And I feel like, I guess my question would be, if I rephrase this, is as a parent yourself, and I know you, you know, you work with Baron, but you also said, you know, you send Baron to other coaches, this, this, and that. What what do you look for in a good 
skills instructor slash coach, and what do you avoid in a skills instructor slash coach? How, sure, that, how's that, that? That's a great question. That's that's great. So number one, with those Instagram or, or Twitter skill instructors, I always um, I try to like be a fly on the wall and look at the kids behind the instructor. And if the kids are kind of not engaged, or if you see them looking off, uh, and it's more about the instructor, then they're missing the point. The point is about the kids and how much are the kids getting better and what kind of feedback are the kids getting and what are they learning? That's more important. So sometimes I see those videos and I kind of scratch my head because you can see a kid like nodding off in the distance as this <laughs> skill instructor is giving an elaborate speech on the, you know, top hand wrist roll or something like that, you know, like, <laughs> so I, I kind of scratch my head at that. But what I look for in, in skill instructors or some of the people that we've brought in, like, even though. You know, Tim Kuhns is, is, is an unbelievable skill instructor. Unbelievable. He does a great job with our, uh, you know, the player development of our athletes. And I think I do a pretty good job with a lot of the younger kids or one-on-one lessons. But we, we I think even so bring too. I've seen what you do on Twitter. You're, you're not <laughs> one of the typical Twitter guys. Thanks. But even then, we, we bring in other guys. Like we'll bring in, you know, in, in November, we brought in uh, guys from the Czech Republic. And they, and they with our kids for like five days. And they took them through all sorts of drills. But at the end of the day... We want teachers, people who can teach something, not just, yep. you know, guys who can perform the drill. We want guys who can say, this is what you're doing. This is how I would do it. You can do this to improve what you're doing. And and, and that that's what you want to see. And um, with, with Baron, it's like he's seven years old. So um, I don't expect him to get everything overnight. But if somebody can make a connection with him and he likes that coach, like, oh, let's develop this relationship a little bit more. Right. I, and there was, you know, so in all, in all fair, full disclosure, last summer I took him to, we have a figure skating coach at Plymouth State University. Her name is Beth Wick. Uh, you know, and she's like, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to reveal her age, but I think Beth, uh, Bear had a little bit of a crush on her too. He's like, when am I going to see Beth? <laughs> when am I going to see Beth again? And I'd be like, well. Dude, we just week. left the ring 20 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, can I see Beth again? And you're always asking about Beth. So he might have had a little crush there. No, you're very nice. Yeah, again, it's uh, one of those things where I've always been curious is what other coaches think, you know, what makes a good, you know, skills instructor. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you said the teacher. Um yeah, it's great that if you as a skills instructor can go through and do all this stuff, you know, do the drills. But if you can't teach, you know, you're collecting a nice check to basically do nothing, you know, or cash, whatever you hide from the IRS. But, uh, you know, but to me, I think it's you have to be able to teach. You have to, and even with Coach Beth, you've got to be able to have that connection with the kid. Um, you know, you've got to you've got to find those ways. And again, maybe some for some kids, it's just instructors just not going to work um but for others i mean i think that's important is just being able to connect with those kids and make sure that you're teaching and i think there there should be a correct progression to it as well um i think a lot of sometimes and i again they do it but you know like oh i'm doing a shooting camp yeah it's great you can miss the first two days and then show up three four and five it's like well, isn't one and two like the most basic and important fundamentals of the whole thing? Like when you're teaching. So again, to me, it's good progression, a good connection and being a good teacher to me. Those are the most important things. Um, and as well as what you're teaching, obviously, but we're just saying for me, it's status quo. Like, okay, this, everybody's doing teaching the right thing. It's just, how are they teaching it? So, 
Yeah, and you got to know your audience too. You got to know your audience, as you were kind of saying. Um, you know, the stuff that you're teaching, you may do a shooting drill for a, a mite, you may do a shooting drill for a, a junior age player, but the, the skills and, and what you're doing have to be a little bit different in terms of how you communicate that information. Um, I did a camp probably about 10, 12 years ago at Jay Peak. It's a ski resort here in uh, Vermont. It's in northern Vermont. I did the off-ice stuff, like I ran the off-ice stuff. It was a pro-ambitions camp okay, with, Bob, yeah. with, with Bob Beers. And Bob Beers, it was like offensive concepts or something like that. And Bob Beers is the, the Bruins announcer. And he ran the on-ice stuff. I did the off-ice stuff. And then we had a bunch of college kids who were great kids. Uh, and uh, they were just like assisting everything. And um, at like the end of the week, we have a game on Friday. But the Friday morning... Uh, he was like, well, we'll get all the coaches out there and we'll devise a practice plan where every coach gets to run a drill. Uh, and I was like, great, that'd be fun. You know, and I did a drill and then uh, a couple of the other kids were doing drills. And some of the college kids were like, oh, we do this drill in practice all the time. And Bob would be like, I don't think they're going to get that one, <laughs> but we can try. But just so you know, you got to have a second drill in mind if they can't get that one. And inevitably, like three or four of those college kids, the drills that they were doing, you know, with a peewee kid, they just did not get. So right. I, I think as a coach, you always got to ask yourself, is it, it, am I making the drill about me or am I, is it for my kids? And it always has to be for the kids. That's how you get better teams. That's how you get better players. If you tailor what you're doing to those kids. And, I, and again, I think right there, the last thing is it's gotta be fun too. Like I get it working on edge work, you know, working on your stride mechanics, working on, you know, obviously shooting's fun, but working on, you know, some of those real intricacies, like it does get boring. It can become monotonous, but as coaches, as skills coaches, as instructors, the you know, directors of player development for whatever levels we're at, gotta make sure it's fun too. Now obviously at the pro level, like those guys just want to get their ass beat and learn something. Where at the younger ages, we want to make sure those kids are learning, they're getting better, and they're also having fun. Absolutely. All right, well, our five myths. What do we got this week? Well, we got our five myths of uh, player development. And it uh, looks like you got me going first this week. Oh, uh, yeah. Which is, which On is the fine. spot. All right. It's a good thing I got one that uh, I use all the time. So uh, I guess the first myth is that uh, hockey development as players, should they're all going to progress at the same rate, at the same time, which is false. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest myths um, is that development's not linear. And just like in a lot of different things, you know, learning like development in school, learning your, you know, ABCs, your math, this, this, and that. Um, You know, hockey's no different. You, kids will learn how to do things at different rates. Um, And, you know, it's always funny, not funny, but I've now been doing this for 12 years. Um, and I've seen a group go from the might level all the way to graduate U18. Um, and it's some kids like, you know, some of the kids were real burners in their mites and they were really good at squirts. But then all of a sudden the other kids kind of started to catch up and blow by them. And then that one kid who got blown by, he might catch up and blow by them. But maybe at the end, like, it's just, it, it changes. There's so many different levels of development who learns who ends up stalling out and and it could be for any reason whatsoever but 
I think there's a lot of comparison. Well, I don't think. I know there's a lot of comparison of, well, my kid's on the same team as this kid. He's on the top team. Why is all of a sudden the kid from the second team taking one of the top team kids spots, you know, the next year in tryouts? Well, the kid got the kid got better at something. He or, you know, and it could be maybe he did something when he's, you know, in this well, out here in Chicago we do a lot of tryouts in the in the uh like end of summer. Um but it could be like, well, he played soccer in the spring and you know what he learned how to protect the ball, which translated to hockey, protecting the pucks so or now, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh so I think again more or less what I'm trying to drive down through with that whole rabbit hole of nowhere knows no one knows where we're going. <laughs> um is more or less that there's so many outside and inside uh factors and influences that again we gotta look at it from a, a basically a long term like goal here. Um and that yeah, player development's just it's not gonna always there's gonna be ups and downs. There's gonna be kids passing other kids. There's gonna be kids hitting growth spurts. So um, you know you know what one kid does how quick you know he gets better he doesn't get better it's all basically you know it's kind of a crapshoot at times i i agree 100 there's actually a funny story that uh, i remember with my um good friend mike potenza he's the head coach over at kingswood high school he coaches our split midget teams here with the wolves he's an excellent coach and he his son nick uh was kind of a kid who had like he wore size eight skates when he was like a squirt, he had like these huge feet. <laughs> and I remember Mike telling me like, he's like, Oh yeah. He, I mean, my gosh, he, he had like these, he had moon, like moon boots on his feet. It was crazy. <laughs> um, so when he was a squirt, uh, he, he, he was like, he was behind other kids cause he was just flopping over his feet a lot. Um, but eventually, I mean, Mike's a taller, bigger guy and he was going to catch up. So I remember Mike telling me, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to, play for this program next year because the coach I don't want to deal with these coaches anymore and now uh, the co one of the coaches said to Nick during a game he's like you can't do that with the puck you can't handle the puck and then we once once you get it I want to see you dump that puck in and it was like that is such a short-sighted idea just because he's not that type of player now it's like oh is he ever going to develop those skills well right. long story long story short you know Nick finished his high school career at Kingswood uh, as they, I believe the program's second all-time leading scorer and played for our Wolves program and was all state and all this other stuff and all those other kids on his team, he surpassed them by the time he was a freshman in high school. So I agree hundred <laughs> percent. Growth is not linear. Uh, you shouldn't stat, like stifle a kid's growth just because they can't do it now. doesn't mean they won't right. be able to do it later. Yep. So what do you got for uh, number two here? Number two, girls have to be at game speed. That's a myth. You got to slow things down to speed things up. And if you're always telling your kids, go faster, go faster, go faster, make somebody chase them. You know, don't, don't yell at them all the time. I mean, if they, they have to pick up the technical points, they have to understand that. And that sometimes it requires them to go very slow. But if you want to put them in game like situations, don't just scream at them to go faster, put them in a game like scenario where they have somebody chasing them. Uh, That'll make things more game speed. Um, but certainly you need to slow things down if you want to get the things right sometimes. No, definitely. I mean, and I, again, um, just from working with kids at the learn to skate level all the way up, I mean, you don't, we don't expect kids when they're crawling to all of a sudden get up and just go run a marathon, right? I mean, <laughs> like, 
you have to go slow. You have to take things. I mean, I don't know too many people that can that just jumped on a bike without training wheels and just took off. Um, so yeah, you've got you have to. I believe and agree that yeah, things need to slow down before you can go fast. And then you know, again, great if they pick it up slow, then kick up that speed. And I agree, adding the uh, that was one thing that I took. It took a while for me to start implementing as a coach um, was putting in that. You know, like that chaser in those drills, like for the back pressure or whatever, just to get that game speed going. Because again, yeah, it's great to go full speed on your own, but you don't really know what your full speed is going to be until you got somebody hot on your ass trying to get that puck from you or try to tag you or whatever you're working on. So, yeah, that's, uh, I agree on that one. All right. What do you got for number three? Uh, number three here is that, uh, everything's got to be perfect. Oh, that's, uh, I disagree. It has to be perfect all the time. <laughs> yeah. All right. Buses, Dad, thanks. buses show up on time. Flights leave at the same time, at, <laughs> at the perfect time. You know, they're, they're, everything's perfect. It, with with player development, it's 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 okay to be messy. I forgot who the coach was. It's going to kill me now, but it was in one of his webinars. Or was, he gave a seminar. Um but he even said at the pro levels, like practices where things like it's okay to make mistakes. It's not going to always, you're not going to always pick it up right away. And I guess this is a little bit also with my first myth. So it kind of goes hand in hand. So maybe I'm cheating a little bit, but um, again, player development, uh, you know, again, you got you to fall down. You got to learn. You got to get out of that comfort zone. So it's, it's not going to look pretty every single time. You know, there's nothing wrong with doing just some basic drills just to kind of hammer home the very basic fundamentals before you start going faster. And then when you add something, it's okay to fall. Like if there's any kids listening here, it's okay to fall down when you're skating during practices, during drills, because that means you're getting out of your comfort zone or you're learning, you know, how to manipulate your edges or whatever. I've said it. I mean, this season, I've even said it to my skaters at the very beginning of the year when we would do skating drills where I'm literally trying to push them out of that comfort zone. And I'd be like, like, I turn my assistant coach and out loud and I guess I'm being kind of a jerk, but I'm I'm like, hey, I didn't realize we had such a team full of great skaters here. Like, nobody's fallen or anything. And then I had to bring them in. I'm like, guys, look, I don't care if you fall. We're all going to fall. And then I would proceed to go and purposely wipe out on my ass just so that, you know, okay. Coach Trevor's done it, so now we can, and it's amazing, not amazing, I mean, it's great to see then those kids feel that, oh, hey, I don't have to be perfect, like, it doesn't, you know, I I can bend my knees a little bit more and actually feel the burn, and it's gonna, yeah, I might wipe out or whatever, so for me, it's, it doesn't always have to be perfect. Thoughts? Yeah, I think that, um, I think that uh, one of the the great uh, clips I saw um, whether it might have been in that In Search of Greatness movie, uh, one of those, or it might have been somewhere else, but, um, you know, Tony Hawk's, um, his first attempt at the X Games for that, it was the 900 or 960. It's like three and a half revolutions. 900, baby. 900. I used to play yeah. that on PlayStation 1 all the time, trying to do Tony Hawk's 900. Sorry. <laughs> but no, that's, it's, um, you know, and you can see that, that hard wiring in his brain, how many times he, he, he falls. But it's you know he it's hardwired that he was gonna he had done it before and he knew that if he kept doing it and just manipulated and tweaked a few parts of either the takeoff or the landing that he could land it again and I think kids need to realize that you know that they may get it once but that doesn't make a great athlete it's getting it so doing it so many times until you can't get it wrong 
that's how you how you become you know an elite player you know what's really funny about that too now is that you know he was seen as a big innovator when he did the 900 and as we talk about like development and stuff you know and kids getting out of their comfort zone now that's like now you got guys doing 1080s wow and it's like you know i'm just like but i'm again for me uh, i was like in grade school the 900 was like the big big deal and when he did it the x games i mean i remember everybody yeah. we we would put in our vcr put in the blank tape record it you know just to watch it over and over again and now it's like a lot of the guys can do the 900 so it's like you know it's not that it's impressive still i mean <laughs> anything on a skateboard to me is going to be impressive for sure but <laughs> but i mean for like these hardcore you know pros are like okay well I'm going to do the, you know, 1080 now. And I'm like, cool, go for it. That's unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) Who's got number three? Or was that number three? That was number three. All right, number four. Um, Oh, sorry. Apologize. Yeah. Number four, uh, I'm going to call this one Mr. Miyagi Syndrome. I saw that. I I don't understand. Explain that one to me. So sometimes you'll see coaches – and they think they have to reinvent everything or they have to develop this new idea. Wax on, wax off, paint the fence, paint the house. And it's like you have so many avenues right in front of you. You have other great coaches around you. You can go on Instagram. You can buy books. Like you don't always have to reinvent the wheel to teach a, a concept to a kid. You don't have to invent a new drill. Maybe it's more about the kid and the information you're giving the kid rather than the drill itself. So I would say sometimes we get a little bit consumed by our own our own perceived abilities. And sometimes coaches need to take a step back and not pretend like they're Mr. Miyagi and just say, eh, maybe my name's Andrew Trimble. Or maybe my name is, <laughs> you know, Todd Spencer or Trevor DiCarlo or whoever. You know, right. just embrace who you are and, and teach the kids. Focus more on the kids rather than uh, inventing a new drill. No, for sure. It's... Again, we all get excited when we find that cool new drill that we think is really going to, you know. So, but again, there's there's a reason certain things have worked for so long, and it's okay to go to them. So yeah, I mean, you're not gonna, you got nothing wrong with you. I like the I like the Miyagi. I like that. Uh, <laughs> I like that reference there. But uh, to top it off here, uh, again, I'm going to use another one that's kind of just still. We've discussed it earlier, but um, development's not fun. Uh, development is fun and can be fun if the person teaching it makes it fun. Again, you don't have to have a skills instructor who is teaching a five-year-old the perfect stride mechanics the whole entire time going up and down the ice. That's not fun. That's not even fun for me. It's How is that going to be fun for a five-year-old or six-year-old kid? Some of the better coaches that I've seen um, who's worked with the younger kids, especially just teaching them to skate has, yeah, they'll work a little bit on like mechanics, but then, all right, let's go play tag. Let's go have fun. You know, let's go and all of a sudden, like, let's turn that whatever skill that we're working on concepts or whatever, let's, let's make it, let's make it fun. You know, and I know I've reached out to you, you know, we're going to go look at like drills now. Like we're talking about concepts, which is probably like we've got to find ways to make it fun and I, using small area games, um, you know, hiding those uh, skills and stuff, hiding those concepts within those games. Um, that's development right there. I know that 
you know, there's a lot of people that are not, you know, they don't like the cross ice, you know, some like three on three type games. But I, you know, we've played, you know, play the Gretzky game where you got to get guy behind the net that you got to pass to every time. Um, and, you know, and you're teaching, you know, you're reinforcing good habits of creating space, finding the open guy, getting your head up, you know, again, a lot of that's concept, you know, conceptual type hot part of the game. But again, as I said, play tag, you know, we, uh, there's one with the other kids that we would play, uh, we call it asteroids where they would be skating from one end of the ice to the other. And they had, you know, coaches or other kids who are out, basically you're just sliding pucks and trying to hit the other person in the foot and, you know, not, you know, not trying to knock him over, but, um, you know, like tag kind of like yep. deal. And what are you doing? You're working on passing there. You're, you're somewhat working. I mean, passing and shooting. If I were to, I mean, I know you and I could see each other, but if I were to stand up right now and I were to show you, you know, the passing or shooting movement, it looks the same. You wouldn't be able to know if it was, I was telling you, Oh, Guess what? You'd be like, oh, that was a pass. I'll be like, oh, actually, I was shooting. Like you, <laughs> a lot of it's just the same technique. Um, so again, you can. There's fun in development. As coaches, we need to find it. Um, and we need to create it. And that sometimes it's a little bit of extra work, but I truly believe that goes a long way. Instead of just doing your laps, your lines of, all right, let's do the circles drill. Let's do the Russian circles. Let's do the snap. Let's make it more interesting. Make it add some races in. Hell, I learned that this week when I guess I have my practice. Sure. I had that bag skate inside of that practice, and those kids, one of them figured it out pretty quickly. But outside of that, yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> again, it, it was what it was. So that's my uh, number five is uh, development can be fun. Well, I, I agree with you 100%. I think actually there's nothing more fun than the process of self-discovery. And if a kid, you know, you have 100 goals in a season, you could have no goals. But if the kid said – that that feeling of reward when they learn a new skill is actually like that. That's the best reward that they can get. That's the most fun they're going to get. Um, you know, there's so many times I've I've had a kid where I've been doing like a, a skill session and then you, you see him do it wrong and then you pull him off to the side and now you just say, well, you need to do this or do this. And then they go back and do the drill and they'll do it right. And they turn around and they smile at you and it's perfect. That's the best. That's the best because they can – now they're like getting that information. They're seeing that you they can learn something, and now it's really fun because they're getting better at it. So I think that uh, that actually development is the most the most fun part of uh, of, of 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 the game of hockey in a lot of ways. And again, yeah, I mean, at the end of the year, and again for me, as I said earlier, I alluded to you know seeing those kids go from light to mites to graduating the program completely. It was fun being able to see going through it and then being able to see it at the end of like their full development, you know, and being able to say not only, and again, sentimental here, but not only as hockey players, but as humans too, like you try to make sure you, you, you created a good human or helped partake in creating a good human, someone who's going to be a good citizen or, you know, to their community, you know, that's, that's some sappy stuff, but uh, <laughs> before, uh, before we sign off here, I, uh, I got a question what uh for our listeners out there what uh what is the hockey planner hockey planner is just uh i want to get some more content uh drills on on uh the Substack. stack so it's like a i i, I think you you start well you started Substack, so like i i, I kind of like uh stealing your thunder a little bit hopefully you're not offended no 
<laughs> no, no, absolutely not. That's why I wanted to learn more about it. Yeah, and I just wanted to get some more like, uh, you know, I I like still like you know the drills that I've shared with you, drawing them on a board. I think sometimes um, I wanted to get more of those things up there, like where you can you know a, a drill of the day or like a drill of the week, and then or drills that I'm doing with kids, and you can see those things up on up on the uh, you know up on the format. And I think that uh, I just wanted to get a little more of that content out there. A lot of my a lot of my stuff on my Instagram and Facebook and Twitter is like advertising for my camps, but I wanted to get more of the uh, sharing of information available. For sure. Where uh, do you have a link? You have that linked anywhere, like on Twitter or anything, for uh, the listeners to possibly uh, jump on? Still figuring out how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like in Twitter, there's like a well, you you got, you got scoring systems on there. You could probably put a link on it from your website, but we'll make I, sure I we do link- that. We'll make sure we uh, link it in the next uh, in the in the show notes as well as into the uh, when we drop and let everybody know we've uh, published this episode. So I've uh, I've subscribed so you know so that you're happy. Um, <laughs> well, thank um, you, Trevor. You're gonna get and some I good have stuff. En- I I've enjoyed it so far, and I look forward to seeing what else comes from that. So uh, if you haven't subscribed to that. First of all, make sure you subscribe to this podcast, but also then go and subscribe to uh, Coach Trimble's. Um, what do we get? We call it again the uh, hockey, hockey planner, hockey planner. I like it. All right. Well, uh, you have a good week, sir. Um, you too. And uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, I'm Trevor DiCarlo. I'm Andrew Trimble. And uh, yeah, thanks. We'll talk to you later. 